We hope you like this Resurrection Oakland Church podcast. Unauthorized use of any part of this copyrighted material for redistribution or duplication is not permitted without prior consent from Resurrection Oakland Church. To learn more about our church and its charity and mission work in and around Oakland, California, please visit our website at www.resoakland.com. Hear the word of God from Genesis 29. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive. But Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. So he, named, he was named Levi. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Resurrection. Praise the Lord and happy fifth anniversary. I think we'll need to adjust this a little bit if I can. Once again, it is good to be here with you all. I am so thankful for this time of fellowship that we have together um, in our shared commitment to the one who loves us, um, that love that pours over us and that reaches us in especially the places of our deepest need. Um, that's what we're going to be sharing this morning for a few moments. So please pray with me as we get into the word of God. Lord God, we thank you for your word um, that reveals your character, your heart, your love, as they culminate in the sinless life the sacrificial death, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ who has attached himself to us forever. We pray that you would anoint your servant simply to declare these things faithfully, that we, your people, might be built up in our most holy faith so that we might worship you more fervently, walk before you more diligently, and witness of this God of great love more actively. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. When, if you can remember, was the first time you felt that you were not loved? When was the first time you felt that you were overlooked, marginalized, treated as though you mattered little or had nothing of value? 
When was the first time you felt or were made to feel, you know, you really don't belong here. You are not a part of us. When was the last time you felt that way? If you have ever had those feelings, if you have ever had that kind of shade thrown at you, you can in some way identify with Leah. Jacob's actually his first wife, but not the wife he wanted. To give a bit of historical context, Jacob was the grandson of Abraham, to whom God had made a promise that he would make a great nation. Jacob's father was Isaac, and Isaac had two sons, Esau and Jacob. Jacob was the one who was promised the blessing, but he decided to secure it in a deceitful way, thus angering his brother greatly to the point where Esau said, as soon as dad dies, I'm going to get you. So Jacob's mother, Rebecca, says, you need to go back to my family some miles away just till things sort of cool down here. So Jacob leaves, and he goes to his relative's family. And at first, he meets Rachel, who really is the love of his life. She literally is love at first sight. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. He also, of course, meets her father, Laban, who sees an opportunity, and Rachel's older sister, Leah. Now, Laban promises Jacob that he can marry Rachel if he gives him seven years of labor. Jacob happily agrees, and to him the seven years pass quickly. However, he was deceived, as he had deceived his own father, he was deceived because Laban used Jacob's attraction to Rachel to swindle another seven years of labor for him by actually having him deceitfully marry Leah instead first, and then Rachel. So Jacob ends up marrying a woman he has no feelings for, he has no attraction for. And thus our passage begins by noting how God saw that Leah wasn't loved. She wasn't loved by her husband, Jacob. She wasn't loved, really, by her father, who used her as a pawn. She really wasn't loved even by her sister, who came to view her as a rival for her husband's attention and affection. And of course, Jacob viewed her as somewhat of an unwanted burden. Humanly speaking, There was no one in Leah's life, perhaps save her mother, who viewed her as someone to love and to care for. In fact, and I don't know what versions you may have on your devices or that you're looking at, but and I try to do a quick survey this week, but even our modern translations overlook Leah. If you look at the topic heading of this particular passage, it might say, Jacob's children. It's almost as if Jacob mistakenly, deceitfully marries Leah, and then God simply moves next and says, and Jacob had these four children. No. 
Like many in our society, Leah suffered from an acute sense of actual loneliness. Thankfully, through this passage, and thankfully the Lord and not the Bible translators actually tell us what happened, Leah, though she was lonely, she was not alone. Thankfully, though she was not loved by many, perhaps most of the closest one in her family, there was one who saw her, one who loved her. That's why, in my view, this particular passage is one of the most precious, one of the most powerful and beautiful passages in Scripture. It demonstrates how the living God loves and draws the lonely, the unloved, the unwanted, the marginalized, the pushed aside to himself. Our passage reveals the way the living God loved Leah by eventually bringing her to the place where she realized, she, where she realized that she was a person of great worth. Not in the sons that she could give, but simply because the Lord had created her in his image and was united to her because he wanted to be united to her. That she was of great worth and value to the living God. What's amazing is how the Lord did so by actually answering and addressing her actual, true, authentic human needs, each represented by her first three children. The first was Leah's need to be seen. Leah just simply wanted to know that she actually mattered. And that's true of all of us. We want to know that the people in our lives believe that we count, that, we're, that we matter, that we're of value to them. Again, I'll repeat the particular passage. It says, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Because of the way she was treated, Leah had an ongoing sense of humiliation. She was a woman whose dignity, though she had it, it was not recognized by those closest to her. Her father, her sister, her husband, they just didn't seem to want to see her as someone who mattered. Leah recognized this and therefore hoped that having Jacob's first son, realizing that in that ancient culture, having a son was supposed to be not only a time of great joy, but actually lifted the status of the woman who had him, that, that she would finally have the dignity for which she craved, that she would finally be seen. Sad to say that didn't happen at first. But God saw Leah. That's what I love about this passage. He took special note of her life and deeply understood her issues. He understood not only what had happened to her, but how it made her feel. He knew her struggle to try to find her humanity in a situation that shouted to her every day that you really don't matter. 
that you're not valued, that you're not loved. As I said, Leah was not loved by those around her, but the living God loved and saw her. And what's interesting and precious about this love, especially about God's love to her and every single one of us, is that everyone in Leah's life, they viewed her as someone that they could get something from her in some way, but not the God who loved her. He needed nothing from Leah and yet showed, him his, showed her his special, tender, precious, loving kindness. That's one of the reasons we so love our Lord. He displays and shows his love for us that culminated in the sinless life, the sacrificial death, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, not because there's anything he needs from us. We're reminded that the living God created the world and everything in it, all in six days, all very good, and we didn't lay a brick. He didn't have to look at YouTube and HGTV. He just did it. He loves us. because he wants to love us. That's why. God needed nothing from Leah and yet showed his special loving kindness to her. It's evident from this passage, again, the Spirit could have moved Moses to write this in a way that many of our Bible translators labeled it. They could have simply said, here's a straightforward account. Jacob had four children at first. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, and that was it. Instead, we get a window, a wonderful window, dear ones, into the mind and heart of the living God who sees the unloved. And that means this morning, as we're gathered here together to pour out our worship to him, that God sees you. He sees your issues, your unique struggle. You matter to the living God. You are of great worth and value to the one who knit you together in your mother's womb. Leah's second need was the need to be heard. She conceived again and gave birth to a son. She said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too, so she named him Simeon. Interestingly enough, to be heard is slightly different than the need to be seen. To be seen is the desire to be noticed in some way. To be heard is to know that our concerns have gained someone's attention. Remember, especially young children many times when they're trying to get the attention of their parents or their siblings or their cousins or someone. And at first they may speak softly, it's sort of in a normal voice. And when we're too occupied or preoccupied with something, they have to raise their voice because they want to be heard. Interesting how this particular phrase, notice she, she says, 
the Lord heard that I am not loved. Interesting way of phrasing that. It could be that she's acknowledging that the silent cries of her heart have finally been heard by the Lord. It could be that she's acknowledging that all the times she simply asked Jacob for a measure of affection, for a measure of comfort, and perhaps he didn't listen. It could be that she's acknowledging, well, the Lord heard. He may not have heard, but the Lord heard. Either way, upon conceiving her second child, Leah expressed a sense of relief that God had finally heard and listened to her cries of emotional pain with the hope that he would now act, that now this second son, again, in an ancient culture that so valued male children and was supposed to raise the status of those who had them, that now her husband would listen to her. Again, what's wondrous about this particular second human need that's built into us by the living God that she expresses that hearing the cries of the afflicted, it becomes and mushrooms into a major theme throughout Scripture and is a significant aspect of God's character. For example, we know that God hears the cries of the vulnerable. Listen to the Scripture from Exodus chapter 22, verses 25 through 27. If you lend money to one of my people among you who was needy, do not treat it like a business deal. Charge no interest. Hmm. If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it by sunset, because that cloak is the only covering for your neighbor. What else can they sleep in? When they cry out to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. God hears the cries of the oppressed, the weak, the vulnerable, the marginalized. But also, he hears our cries. This is from Psalm 61, 1 and 2. I'm, I'm saying this in the, reading this in the King James Version. It's the version that I first read it in, and, and the song I, on the church I used to belong to, my, my wife and I, West Oak Lane Church of God, they sang a song according to it, and it was a beautiful, I'm not going to sing. That's not my gift. <laughs> but it, it's a beautiful song. But I, I love how this is voice. It says, hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. That's right, sis, it's overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. How many of us have been in a place where we are just overwhelmed? Overwhelmed, distraught, at our wit's end. And perhaps that may be where some of us are right now. The Lord hears the cries of his people. And like he listened to Leah, he listens to us to bring us help, to bring us hope, to bring us comfort 
to bring us his healing. Next was Leah's need to simply belong. That very God-given human need to be attached to someone, some group, some purpose. Again, I'll read it once more. Again, she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, now at last, my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. So he was named Levi. In the end, Leah just wanted to know that she belonged. That there was someone who said, yes, you are a part of us. You are of us. Your tears are our tears. Your hopes are our hopes. Your pain is our pain. Again, it's what Scripture says. We mourn with those who mourn. We are of one. Your concerns, our concerns. Your hopes, our hopes. Whatever it is, you belong to us. You are not going to walk and travail this thing called life alone. We will do it together. And once again, this is, again, a God-given need that flows from being created in God's image I'm sure you've heard the saying, no person is an island, no man is an island. We were created to belong, to belong to someone, to some family, to some group. Okay, now, one of the reasons I enjoy coming to the Bay Area is because here, especially in Oakland, we're right next to Starfleet headquarters. Now, for those of you who are the uninitiated, <laughs> if you want, I can wax eloquent after service. Starfleet is a mythical organization that is in humanity's far-flung future, and their headquarters is in San Francisco. Now, I'm a Trekkie that goes back from when I started watching the reruns in the 70s, and the sermon's not on Star Trek, but it could be. <laughs> I just want to say this. Star Trek is a story about a group of people who want to belong, who just happen to explore space for what they do. We have a deep-seated, God created to belong, to know that not only are we seen and heard, but that the substance of our lives aren't lived in isolation and loneliness. Now, now at this point, I'm sure Leah's wondering, what else, what else can I do? In a culture, again, that highly valued male children, she has born three. And yet still, it wasn't enough to gain the love of her husband. It's at this point when God, who, and again, I just love this about the Lord. 
there's no recording of her directly speaking to Leah. There's no recording of her having a vision or a dream or anything like that. And then the, the patience of the Lord just to gently speak to the deep-seated yet real issues of her lives through the names of her children, for him to let her know, I am here. It's almost as if he is whispering, I am still here with you until finally she discovers that last human need, which is the need to be in a worshiping relationship with the living God through which we realize that all of our deepest needs are already met in him. So she conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. She named him Judah. And then stopped having children. You know, I wonder what that last scene was like. I wonder sometimes if this time maybe Jacob was like, well, four boys, man. And, and I wonder if, if, if he at, at some point was like, well, maybe, and, 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 and looked at her and, 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 and was sort of wondering if she was going to plead with him to stay. But at this time, there, there was just this look in her face and in her eye. And, and then when she, he heard the name, he's like, Judah, huh? You're praising the Lord that, that I haven't even praised yet. Leah, by God's grace, came to see that though her husband, her family may not have loved her, the living God very much did. He loved, he heard, he was attached to her. And she responded to that love with an expression of praise through which she named her fourth son Judah, the name that means praise. It's a wonderful description of our salvation, isn't it? Our salvation, dearly loved ones in Christ, it's a worshiping relationship with the living God in which he takes us as his own because we matter to him. He hears our every cry, of course, including our first cry of calling out to him for the forgiveness of our sins and full redemption through faith in Jesus Christ. And he says, you are now attached to me now and forever. What a wonderful way to describe our salvation. And what is so beautifully ironic then about this particular name it's as many of us know, Judah grows into be one of the 12 tribes of Israel. And of course, it's through whom King David is born. And eventually, Jesus Christ is born. God loves saying to the entire world, look, I take that which you cast off, throw away kick to the side, walk past, and I elevate him or her because I love them because I want to love them. And I say, you do matter. You do have dignity. You are heard. You are attached to me. 
What a beautiful irony that the one who for so many years was not loved, was not seen, was not heard. She is the grand matriarch of the one who came and saw people just like her. Jesus would go and he saw the woman at the well. Jesus saw Zacchaeus. There's this wonderful story about our Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 7. And someone has come for forgiveness and, and they're expressing, she's, she's expressing her repentance to our Lord in a hostile environment. And at some point, because she's literally being ignored and despised, the Lord uses those very words. He says to this religious leader, Simon, do you see this woman? Leah has and is the one through whom God used to bring forth the Christ who saw us. And it's in Christ, the one ultimately who was treated as he was not loved, who was rejected. He goes to the cross and he dies for the sins of all who believe in him because to him we matter. In dying on that cross, he says to each and every single one of us, you matter to me. Your life matters to me. Your souls matter to me. Your here and now matter to me. Your eternity, it matters to me. He says to each and every one of us, I have heard you and your longings for significance and for purpose and for forgiveness and for meaning and for security and for life. I have heard you. He says to us on that cross, I have joined myself to you for now and the rest of all eternity. You are mine and you are loved and you are treasured and you are cherished. Amen. Because I saw how my great, 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 great grandma was treated. <laughs> and I was there when she was shown the loving, tender, chesed of the living God. And it's because, and I'll end with this, of the kind of God we serve and the Christ we know who has loved us, that we, his people, we actively look in our communities for the unloved. We are the ones who look for those who are easily pushed aside, oppressed, and marginalized, we are those who says, no, we're going to pay attention, close attention to the cries of the oppressed. We are those who look for the lonely, the isolated, those who are humiliated, those who say, no one wants me to be a part of them. And we invite and envelop them in and say, you are of us. Pray with me, please. Father, we are blessed because of this 
this wonderful passage preaches itself. It says that we serve a God who looks out for those like us who have a God-given need to be seen, to matter, to be heard, to be attached, to be loved. I pray, especially for those who are here this morning who have never heard, even heard anything like this. They, they came with a friend or, or a relative or, or just heard it online and said, I need to drop in and see what's going on, that they would know that in Christ there is one who loves them and that they would place their faith in Christ here and now. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God has declared through his word that he sees you and that he hears you and that he has made a place for you to belong. And now we are going to experience all those things here at this table. This table declares that God sees you, that he hears you, and that he's given you a place to belong because he loves you and he loves you not because of what you do for him, because he just wants to love you. On the night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's pray again. God, we thank you that in the body of Jesus broken for us and the blood of Jesus shed for us, that you have shown us how much we matter to you. Lord, that you have heard us in all our pain and sorrow and losses, in all our brokenness, and that you have given us a place to belong, not just with one another, but with you, that one day that we will eat this bread and drink from this cup together with the risen Lord himself. And God, we pray that you would now minister to us in a powerful way that we would be transformed by this meal. In Jesus' name, amen.